Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. We want to start our study with an illustration. Let me tell you this story because I want to give you I want to give you the key thought to this verse. Okay, the story goes like this. It's from a fella who uh, by the name of Russell Conwell, and he tells the story of an ancient Persian by the name of Ali Hafed. Ali Hafed is a guy who owned a very, guys, an extensive, very large farm. And on this farm, there was orchards and orchards and grain fields and gardens. I mean, this was a massive farm. And, and Ali Hafed was a very, very wealthy man. Very wealthy man. Well, as it went, as the story goes, one day, Guys, one day a wise man, if you will, came from the east and he told Ali Hafed all about diamonds, right? All about diamonds and how wealthy he could be. I mean, he was already wealthy, but how much more, how much more richer he could be if he just owned a diamond mine. Ali Hafed said, whoa, are you kidding to me? And that night he went to bed a poor man. You say, how did he go? Why did he go to bed a poor man? He went to bed a poor man because he became discontented. He he was craving the mine of a diamonds, and what he did is he went and he sold his farm to search out for these rare stones. He traveled all over the world, finally becoming so poor, so broken, so defeated, that Ali Hafed actually committed suicide. One day, the man who purchased Ali Hafed's farm, he led his camel to the garden to drink. As the camel put his nose into the brook, the man saw a flash of light from the sands of the stream. He pulled out a stone that reflected the hues of the rainbow. The man had discovered a diamond mine of of Golconda, and it was the most magnificent mine in all of history. Had Ali Hafed remained at home and dug in his own garden instead of death in a strange land... He would have had acres and acres of diamonds. Pastor, the point of the story? Guys, had Ali Afed been content to stay home right where he was, he would have found what he went and looked for. So if you're taking note and you don't mind writing in your Bible, the key to Philippians 4.13 is contentment. You can write that next to its contentment, right? Contentment. So, So basically, so many people will take this verse and they'll misquote it and they'll misuse this verse. Philippians 4.13. And, and, and I was talking to the fellows yesterday and I began to say, listen, when, when this messages get out on the air, when this messages get out on the radio, I mean, it, 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 I'm praying that it's going to do a work in people's heart because this is one of the most used misquoted verses of all time. You go, what is it? Well, Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, we know this, guys. He says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And when it sits by itself, I love that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so again, I mean, think about this. Think about this. What does that mean? Because because let's be honest. We've seen them. We, we've seen these on bumper stickers, right? We're driving in the car in front of us. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. Or maybe, maybe if you grew up in sports in the locker room, that's the verse that they had before you went out to the field. What was it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, 
Let's take a moment, church. Let's take a moment to talk about the many ways that's actually misused, okay? And then we'll come back and we'll teach it in its context. So first and foremost, let me tell you, let me explain, let me define what this verse isn't saying. And I want to use a story. It was back in July 27, 2009, the cover of Sports Illustrated feature then the image of Florida Gators quarterback Tim Tebow. You guys know who Tim Tebow is. The headline read, Tim Tebow, a man of missions. And right there on the cover of Sports Illustrated in 2009, you had Tim Tebow's face, and right under his eyes were this verse. It said, Phil 413, or Phil 413, and it's right there, and it's ready to jump off the page, and it's like, wow, what great boldness for his faith, Philippians 413. And again, the championship quarterback seemed poised, and he seemed ready to jump off the cover of Sports Illustrated with his determination in a simple Bible verse that would just allow people to leap to new heights. And what I found funny is that Tim's fans didn't need to look up the passage at all. No, most of them knew it by heart, right? They saw that on Sports Illustrated, and then they said, and I quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And of course, Philippians 4.13 is one of the most popular verses in, in, in of the 66 books of the Bible. Having been printed, check this out, on millions of keychains, t-shirts, cell phone cases, and coffee cup and coffee mugs. Philippians 4.13. But it's also been one of the misunderstood, misused, and actually misinterpreted scriptures. You go, what do you mean? Guys, Philippians 4.13 functions some kind of mystical incantation for many Christians. They kind of hold on to it. A lot of people will say, that's my life verse. That's my, but they don't understand what it means. They don't understand in the context of scripture. They'll just say, that's my life verse. For many Christians, they recite this passage when they need to draw power from another place to defeat an enemy or even conquer a difficult task. A difficult task. You ever have a difficult task? Wow. Okay. Well, then I'm going to quote what? Philippians 4. Guys, I know this verse. I know this verse and I was, and, and, and here's the thing, man. We, we try to hold on to it. We try to, we try to quote it when we're just in that middle of something that I've got to do really, really hard. And I can be the first one to attest. May you, last week we had a guest speaker because Nathalie and I had went to Florida. She was running, uh, her first ever half marathon. She did great. But the day before, uh, a couple of days before we went to pick up our packet in Daytona Beach and we had some time to, to, to waste. And so we went over to an, uh, a lighthouse, a lighthouse on the inlet, uh, area there. And and it was just amazing. And so we went in and went through the gift store and we're looking and they have all these little lighthouses. And you guys know lighthouses are amazingly spiritual, right? The light, it's just cool. So we're just, we're enamored. We're like, whoa. So we paid the fee and we started doing the little tour. And one thing that the Lord began to speak to me is I remember sitting there and there were all these boats, all these little rafts that were there. And these rafts represented, these were boats that they had actually found on the shore of people who tried to escape Cuba and come into basically New Smyrna Beach, Daytona Beach area. And I was like, wow, I mean, they're made up of just wire and, I mean, just crazy stuff. 
And they'd show one, and so we're looking at this one, and, and I saw this little one, and, and the Lord touched my heart, because as I read the plaque, the placard, it actually said that this is one of the boats, one of the lifeboats that they found, and it actually had remnants of kids in it. They found little kids' clothes, and I'm like, what were they doing? They were trying to make the 90-mile trek from Cuba for freedom. And this is the boat that they found. And the Lord began to speak to me and he said, listen, that's, 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 that's the cross. There's so many of us guys trying to find freedom, freedom from the worries and the stress and, and the anxiety of this life. And, and we got to run to the cross. And so we sat there and, and, and we looked at that. And so then we said, wow. And we went to the next area and we looked at some stuff and we went into the next year and we learned how the light functions and how it's so high and, and, and it needed to be, I mean, just all of this good stuff. And then Nathalie and I, we came to the lighthouse. There it is. The lighthouse. It's amazing. Okay. Now, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I am deathly afraid of heights. Can't explain it, just know that it's hard. But this is a lighthouse, right? It's, it's, it's solid. So Nathalie and I go in, and you got to understand, it starts out wide and ends up narrow, and it's a spiral staircase. So we go, okay, let's go. I'm trying to be brave in front of my wife. So start walking up the staircase. Right? We get to the first thing. I'm like, okay, this is not going good. Look, look cool. Look cool, right? You can't show that you're, she's a, so look cool. So I'm like this. We get up to the second level, about two stories high. I freeze. I'm like, I don't think I can go up. Right? And she's like, oh, right? She's sympathetic. She's afraid of heights too, but she's gonna, she's gonna go up, right? So she's like, well, I'm gonna go up and take pictures. And I'm like, I'm feeling like a loser. Because my wife's going up to the top, and I wanted to be with her, and, you know, we could take selfies and all that stuff, but it didn't work. So I watched her go, and I'm going, okay, so what did I do? What did I do? Well, I would have loved to quote this verse. I would have loved to have said, Philippians 4.13. Okay, here we go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, here's what I actually did. I actually prayed, God, I want to be up there with my wife. I don't want to feel like this. Give me your strength. Help me to, help me to take the steps. So I took a few Nope. Sat down right there. I mean, you, you understand when, you, right? You understand when you have this fear. Your heart says, you're out moving. And your legs are going, we're listening. I just wouldn't, I couldn't move. It was, I was like, and I mean, it just got narrow and narrower all the way. And I just, I couldn't do it. And I would sit there and pray. Now, listen, if this was a verse, now here's the problem, okay? Guys, listen, when we take this verse and misuse it, I could have easily said, Philippians 4, 3, I can do all things. And I could have went up there. I don't know how they would have got me down, but I could have went up there. The problem is, guys, is that when I quoted this verse and could not go, then what, what, what would be what would be communicated to me is that, well, God's promises aren't true. Because, listen, if I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, why is he not strengthening me? Why is he not giving me the strength to go up? There goes my wife. And so, anyway, I watched a lot of people go around, and they said, can't make it, huh? And I said, I'll leave me alone. Anyways, so they're going down, right? And so I was just one of those things, and I was like, man. See, many Christians, guys, they recite this passage to draw power from another place to defeat an enemy. It was a difficult task for me. I wanted to go to the top. I think I could go now if we tried it again. No, I'm just just saying I just don't know. And I only made it halfway up, and Nathalie came down, and 
We left that place. See, that's exactly what taking that verse out of context would be. It just it would just be that. I was like, wow. And then I started doing some research on how it's misused, and I found and now check this out. I found a super mega church pastor actually teaches it this way. And I'm going to quote him. Okay. He teaches us. And, and here's what he said. According to quote, most people tend to magnify their limitations. They focus on their shortcomings, their shortcomings, but scripture makes it plain. All things are possible to those who believe. That's right. It's possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It's possible to overcome that obstacle. It's possible to climb to new heights. It's possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will take, it will all take place. You may not have a plan, but all you have to know is that God said you can, you can, unquote. He's actually teaching this and I'm going, wow. Now, now listen. That's a great sermon, but when you're two flights up and you're afraid of heights, it didn't do me any good. This, guys, would be one example of what, of, of many ways that Christians today understand and interpret for Philippians 4.13. You see, for them, the all things is that Christ empowers them to accomplish includes fulfilling their dreams, climbing to new heights, and embracing their destinies. That's what it means. But let me tell you this. Paul, guys, is not talking about a supernatural power to conquer the world. He's not talking about that. He isn't talking about a name it and claim it approach to life. Listen, I can do it. I'm going to get it. And this verse isn't intended to be a supernatural steroid shot to get your life back on track. Man, my life's a mess. I can do all things. Get back on there. I mean, think about it. There's a lot of ways that we can misuse this verse. And you go, well, how so? What if I came to you and said, church, listen up, listen up. I got great news, great news. We're going to buy a building. We're going to buy a building. It's going to be amazing, okay? We got a building and it's going to be it's going to be twice the size and we're going to have this. And so one of you raises a hand and say, pastor, do we have any money? No, we don't. Well, how are we going to buy this building? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You guys are going to go, Pastor, do we have any money? No, we don't have any money. You see how we can completely misuse this? I mean, you'd be like, um, I don't think that's what that verse is saying. Yet, church, listen, people use this verse to boost them through life's tasks or even just the events of the day. Even just the events of the day. This verse Philippians 4.13 is often used to rally cry to finish the marathon, right? If you're a runner, you know that there's walls that you hit, and maybe at 10 miles you're like, I can do all things, you know, trying to get to that 13-mile mark or whatever you run. I know that to win a football game or even to succeed in a business venture, a lot of people use this. Now, let me give you some examples. Let me give you examples how people misuse this verse. Okay, I gave you one with the building, but how about this? How about if you just love basketball, right? You love basketball, and you want to dunk the basketball, but you're only five foot five, and you say, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." Right? You're going to try to dunk a ball, and you're five foot five, unless you got some, you know, I mean, some what Spud Wed hops, you know? I mean, you're just not going to get up there. You know, half the church is like, "Who's Spud Webb?" Anyways, he's. What about that? 
Or how about, guys, how about this? How about if you want that new promotion in the corner office and you're going, I want that promotion. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but you're not qualified. Like you're not qualified to actually have that position, but you're using that verse. Or, or, or how about this? Let me give you another example, guys. You want to get ripped at the gym, right? You want to get, I mean, just like, yeah, yeah, I'm a six pack abs. You want to walk around holding the cup like this, you know, hey, how's it going? You know, I mean, you want to get ripped and, and, and you go, how are you going to do it? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you're going to go to the gym? Well, I'll go by there. You know? Hey, Natalie, what's up? You know, I mean, I was, did you go to the gym? I went by there to the gym today. We take that verse, right? I can do all things, right? So we want to get ripped, but we don't want to actually do the work. How about this? You want that girl to notice you or finally accept your invitation to go out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or you're a business and you you want your company to be wildly successful. And your mantra is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you can see, guys, that, listen, I mean, at five foot five, I'm going to bet that you can't dunk. And and, I, and if you don't go to the gym, I'm gonna. it's going to be less likely you're going to get ripped. You guys know what I'm talking about. So we can really misuse and misquote this verse. You see, we love how to use this verse to help us in our tasks. But listen what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that, that God cannot help us achieve those goals. Okay, I'm not saying that at five foot five you can't dunk. You see what I'm saying? If you work really, really hard and you work on your legs and you work on your calf muscles, I mean, you could, you could get up there, right? Amen? And I'm not saying that if you don't put work really, really hard, you can't get that promotion and you do your homework and you, and you, and you work those extra hours and you do what you need to do. I'm not saying that. God is always with us, guys. He's always with us and he's going to help us achieve our goals or be promoted at work. But here's what I am saying. When we take a single verse, out of context and try to use it for our gain, we don't get what we want, and then we get frustrated with the whole Word of God. The whole Word of God. You see, because think about me in the lighthouse, right? There goes my wife. I'm just like, oh, I want to be up there with her. And I'm stuck here, right? And I'm going, God, your word, you promised me that I can do all things that Christ has strengthened me, yet my legs don't want to move. I can't go up there. My heart is beating fast. Well, you ever hear the expression, throw the baby out with the bathwater? Well, that's going, I'm going, man, the whole word of God is going, I, what is your, what is your promises, God? I, I said, I'm, I'm up here and I want to, I want to take on this impossible task. Now, for some of you, like, like I saw some people didn't even phase them. They're just like, and I was like, ah, oh, why, why? The problem is, guys, if we don't understand in context, then we throw the whole, we'll throw the whole word of God out. All the promises will be like, well, if that, that promises wasn't cool, how is this one going to work? If this isn't working, I don't know how that's going to work. Somebody, I mean, seriously. And so we can't take a single verse. Why? Listen to me, church. If you take a verse out of context, it becomes a pretext, and then you can make it say whatever you want to say. Here's our goal. Our goal for the next seven weeks is to give you these verses in context so that you can walk out of here and have a good foundation for your life. Good foundation. Everybody say foundation. And here's what I want you to do. In context, you're going to build a good foundation. Now, I use this story on Wednesday night, but I think it's so appropriate because you know when God speaks to you, it's the most amazing thing. 
when God speaks to you. And he did for me, okay? One of the days, Nathalie and I went, we went to the beach, okay? I love the beach. The beach is amazing, right? So we parked, right? And um, water's about 72 degrees, so it's a little cold. And so now he says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going in the water. You're going in the water? Do you realize that this is New Smyrna Beach, which is, which is known, notorious for shark bites? I was like, well, I'm going in the water. So I start walking in the water, right? Just a little bit on your feet, and you're like, ooh, that's cold, but I can handle this. I can handle this. And I'm walking, right? And then here comes a wave, right? You know, anybody been to the beach? You see the waves. What's the first thing you do? You all do the karate kid thing, right? So that you can try to get over that wave. And it kind of pushes through, and then you walk a little bit further, and you want to walk as far as you can. into. My goal was to walk as far as I could into the ocean. The problem was is that waves were coming. Little waves, medium-sized waves, and then big waves. And so the first wave would come, and I was like, oh, look at that, that's cute. And then the second wave would come, get your kneecaps. And then the third wave, and before you know it, you weren't even paying attention, and one comes this way, and it's just like, and here's what the bigger wave did, right? As soon as it hit you, it pushed me back, right? It had that much power. And you're like, hey, you kept walking. And you go, Pastor, your point, listen, listen. I remember standing there, and I remember looking at the waves. Church, different kinds of waves. Little waves, medium waves, bigger waves, big waves. And I remember thinking, and the Lord's like, you know these waves are a lot like life. In life, you're going to have waves. And some of the, li- some of the waves you have in life, they're going to be little. They're going to be something that, you, that, comes, that comes unexpected, and you go, oh, that, that was a little wave. I can handle that, right? Maybe, uh, you know, a little wave for you could be um, you were hoping for X amount of money on your check and a dude named FICA took a lot of it and you didn't have enough money. You know what I mean? You're just like, who's FICA? Why is he taking my money? You know, and, and, and you're just looking at this and you go, I was, I was counting on this much money and I only have this. That could be a little wave and you're just like, oh, I'm bummed. All right, I can't do what I needed to do. But then you got a little bit, and then, and then and you're trying to deal with this, but then you got a little bit bigger wave. You know what I'm talking about? Something that life throws at you. On your journey, here comes a bigger wave. And that bigger wave to you could be, it could be anything. It could be financial. It could be something, church, where, where you know, I mean, it, it just rocks your emotions. I mean, it could be something from you lose somebody that you've, you've just, you've deeply cared for. And it's just one of those waves. And now you're trying to navigate that wave. And then here comes the bigger wave. And the bigger wave in life, and you're just trying to go, whoa. And this is one of those waves where you didn't see coming, and it knocks you back a little bit. And you're sitting here going, wow. And just when you get your footing, you think, I got this, I got this, okay, okay. And you keep moving forward because life is a journey, and you're moving forward. The deeper you go into life, the bigger the waves, and the final wave you could be is, I mean, you're just going, man, I just, I don't understand because life hit me so hard. I was concentrating on these little, what, on the little waves. I was, con- I think I was doing good. I was karate kidding all of them. And I was, I was like, I think I can do this. And then this big wave came. And, and guys, for us, the big wave could be, well, you know what? For me, it was two years ago when the big wave came. I'm concentrating on little waves. And a big wave comes and they say, hey, Mr. Martinez, your wife has cancer. What? That was a big wave. 
And I'm, I'm kind of standing up for the wave. And came, but what did we do, church? We kept moving forward. We kept moving forward. And there were other little waves in between. Oh, Mr. Martinez, here's a smaller wave. It looks like, it looks like she's in clinical remission. Oh, praise God. We love you, Jesus. Oh, well, here comes another wave. Oh, wait a minute. There's something there. We might need to have, sir, you know what I'm saying? Wave after wave. Now you tell me what your wave is. And you go, well, pastor, your point. My point is God spoke to me that the journey we're on, guys, is going to be, life is just going to come. There's going to be certain waves and we don't know. We can't predict. But I'll tell you something that's real important. The reason we're teaching these verses in context is because we want to give you a good foundation in your walk with God. What's the foundation? If you've ever been walking out in the ocean, there's something that's very interesting that happens. You go, what's that? You're concentrating on the waves because you really don't want to get knocked down. Okay? Because they're pretty powerful. Can I get an amen on that? You know what I'm talking about? They're pretty powerful. I found something interesting. I'm standing there, and as the water recedes back into the ocean, you know what it's doing? I'm losing my footing because my feet are on sand. It's taking the sand away, and all of a sudden, I'm going, whoa. And the Lord spoke again. He said, so many of us are concentrating on life's waves. And if we're not planted on a good foundation, the sand beneath us wants to trip us up as well. I was like, wow. You see the importance of having a good foundation? I can handle waves, church. Life is waves. I can handle waves. What I can't handle is concentrating on the waves while my feet are being taken out from under me. And that's what the enemy seeks to do. The enemy seeks for us to base our walks on sand and not the foundation of the word of God. And so when we're concentrating on you, I mean, I mean, we have so many stories in here. I, I see Crystal to my left over here, and, and there was a wave that hit her house just recently. It was a wave. She wasn't expecting it, and, and there she is going, okay, well, now we've got to walk through this, Terry and Crystal, and there's so many of you. So many of you have been walking through the waves for a long time, and it's like, I mean, is this ever going to stop? No. But what you need to do is make sure that your foundation is set, that you're not standing on sand that wants to trip you up, that you're standing on what? Solid ground. And that's what teaching this in context is all about. So Philippians 4.13, in context, guys, we have to do some work, okay? You go, what does that mean? Well, first of all, you need to write down in your Bibles that this is known as a prison epistle, okay? It was written when Paul was in jail. Okay, so isn't that funny? You go, Pastor, what do you mean? Paul is writing a letter and he wants to, and, and most people think that's the mantra to, to go, go, get him, get him, you know, and the cheerleading. And yet guess where he's writing this? He's writing this in the dungeon of a jail cell in Rome. And we're not talking prison, right, where he has a workout room and he's got, he's got internet and he's got a nice flat screen TV. We're talking about a jail cell that's damp and rats and there he is. And what's he writing? He's writing to this church. He's writing to this church and I'm going, what? Wow. Paul. 
And so he pens this letter about 62 AD in a jail cell. Doesn't that just blow your mind? You know what? Because if I'm in jail, I don't know if I'm going to be writing any nice letters. Paul does. Paul had planted this church, and he writes this letter for two reasons. If you're taking note, the first reason he writes this is basically he wants to thank he wants to thank the Philippian church. It's a thank you note for supporting him as a missionary. That's a that's a great way, right? He's in prison. He's 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 in the dark time in his life, and he's writing a letter to say thank you for your support. Thank you for thinking of me. Thank you for, for sending money. Wow. The second reason he writes this, and you can read it on your own, but he was, um, there was a conflict in the church. Two women. Two women in verses one and two of chapter four, right? He names them by name and he wants to, he wants to deal with the conflict. But this epistle is nothing like the other epistles, guys. It, it doesn't discuss doctrine. He's not, he's not, he, there's no error to go, hey, this is what you gotta correct. It's, it's, well, you go, Ben, what is it? Well, jot this down, guys. The major theme of the entire book of Philippians is personal joy. Personal joy. Paul, you're writing from prison and you're talking about personal joy? Okay. Let's, let's do a test. Let's do a test, church. How many of us, if we were in prison, were going to write about joy? I'm thinking I'm going to write more about complaining. I'm whining. Are you kidding me? Paul writes, and it shows us Paul's heart. It shows us Paul's heart. That's where we pick it up, guys. The major theme is personal joy. But in order to understand Philippians 4.13, we need to do some work. Now, here's what I want you to remember. This is important, okay? Whenever you're sitting in your car and you're listening to the radio and a pastor comes on and he gives you a verse, there's something that we all need to do, including here, church. It's called the 2020 rule. Anybody know what the 2020 rule is? The 2020 rule is when you get a verse, you need to read 20 verses before it and 20 verses after it so you get the context. So important. Why? Because if you take a verse out of context, it becomes a pretext, and then you can make it say whatever you want. Have you ever been watching TV or maybe on the radio, and you'll hear a pastor get up, and he'll quote a verse. He'll quote Philippians 4.13. I can, our passage today is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ's strength. And then he springs boards into a, a, a series of, what, stories, and never comes back and teaches the actual text. That's called springboarding, church. But when we use the 2020 rule, you go, oh, here's our goal. Our goal is when you're watching TV or listening to the radio, whatever it might be, you'll go, wait a minute, that's out of context. That's not right. No, because Paul was in where? Prison. Okay, there'll be a test next week. Paul was in prison and he's writing about personal joy. And notice how he starts off. We won't have time for a 2020 rule, but let's just pick it up in verse 10. Notice what Paul says. Paul starts off and he says, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now at last your care for me has flourished again. How many of you, church, seriously, how many of you would write, I've, I'm, I'm joyful. I rejoice in prison. You know what I'd be writing? There's a rat over there and he thinks I'm food. 
get me out of here. Just me? Paul says, but I rejoice. I just, I just love Paul's heart. Why? Because isn't that the goal? Isn't that the goal? To be so others-oriented that Paul's like, listen, I'm in prison. And, and so your question is, how? Well, notice what he says, okay? But I rejoice in the Lord, thank you, Jesus, that greatly now, at last, care, your care for me has flourished. Thank you, guys. He says, but although you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity, didn't have an opportunity. Verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need. Here's why. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to, be, how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Wow, did you guys catch that? Right? Now, we know this. We know from other scriptures, church, that God gifts, guides, equips, and empowers us to carry out his purposes. Amen? But 4.13, Philippians 4.13, guys, does not promise us that God will give us strength to follow our desires or even carry out his purposes. That's not what it's about. And you go, well, pastor, what does it mean? Well, here's what we learned, okay? First of all, Paul's in jail. He's in Rome. He's in jail. He's waiting to see the judge. And he writes to this church. And the first thing we see is he thanks them for supporting him financially. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the gift. He says, I appreciate your gift. He says, but just know this. I wasn't in desperate need. I wasn't in desperate need. In fact, why wasn't he in desperate need? Because he says, I learned to be content no matter the physical circumstance. I learned to be content. See, guys, Paul had discovered the secret of contentment. He discovered it. You go, what was that? Whether he was physical want, man, you don't understand. I need something. Or... Guys, he was, he had plenty. He had plenty. See, the secret of contentment, guys, Paul understands whether he was fed or he was hungry. He said, I have experienced, I've had an encounter with Christ and his strength within me to endure any and every situation. Here's what he found. He found total sufficiency in trusting Christ. That's the key. That's the key, guys. Your sufficiency in trusting Christ. It's like, listen, I have encountered God so much that I'm not sure what tomorrow brings, but I'm going to stay so close to Jesus. That's the trust. That's the trust. Paul understood this. Paul got it. Paul had his foundation. Paul knew, church, listen, Paul knew the waves of life were going to keep coming. For Paul, it was a prison cell, but Paul knew that he could not be standing in sand, but that he had to be, he had to be standing on solid ground because that, the solid ground was the sufficiency in which he was going to be able to handle the life, to handle the waves. He knew that they had to, he had to be solid. 
It wasn't this verse that go, all right, guys, go get them. You know, I can do all things. Jump off the building and see what happens. That's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, I need to make sure that your foundation is so solid that when the waves of life come, and then when you happen to turn your back and look over there, this giant one wants to take you out. You're going, no, my sufficiency is in Christ. Are you guys tracking with me? Let me, let me, let me just explain it a little bit different, okay? This is personal. Okay? I'm going to be vulnerable and insecure for a moment. I get the fact, church, that when they told me my wife had cancer, I get the fact that she could die. It was a very, very real reality. I get it. And that to me, guys, was a wave that sort of knocked me back. But I had to come back and I had to stand on the foundation and the sufficiency and I had to trust Christ. You go, what do you mean? Listen, if in the future God says, Ben, I am taking my daughter home, not my wife, but my daughter home, I can't tell you that I'm going to be happy about it, but I can tell you that I trust God to say, yes, sir. That I can be content in these things because, because God knows I'm trusting in his sufficiency for my life. I'm trusting in that. I mean, it's just, I'm just going, listen, see, Paul gained, guys, Paul gained his strength from Jesus to be content in whatever God provided for him. Be content. Listen, if you go to the refrigerator and you open it up and there's food, you go, praise God, I am content. And if you go to the refrigerator a year from now and you look and you have a can of potted meat and maybe some crackers, you can still say, praise God, I'm content. Because your faith is based on, your strength is in Jesus. Your strength is in Jesus. And, and that's life, guys. That's life. It was Charles Spurgeon who once said, quote, You say if I had a little more, I would be very satisfied. Yet you make the mistake. If you're not content with what you have, you will be not satisfied if it were doubled. Unquote. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me never meant that Paul could do anything because Jesus would give him the power to do it. It meant, you ready church? It meant Paul could endure any difficult circumstance or physical need through the strengthening power of Christ. Church, it was, uh, I didn't use this story first service and somebody, you know how the Lord works, it, he reminded me and I thought I'd share it with you because it, it, it ties into this. I was working in Albuquerque one Friday evening and make a long story short, there was a domestic dispute between a man and a woman in a building behind where I was working. I worked at a remodeling company. And it was it was close to about 4 o'clock, time to go home, right? Friday, this is going to be great. Weekend is here. We got a game tomorrow. And I'm sitting there, and I'm in the doorway between my office. I'm sitting on the doorway of my office, and I'm talking to somebody. And I hear this amazing scream this blood-curdling scream, and what I thought were a nail gun going off. 
they were remodeling a little bit there, and I thought I heard this, doo, doo. I thought, and then I heard this scream, and I was like, somebody got shot with a, you know, with a nail gun. It wasn't a nail gun. A fella had, bro- had came in, followed his, his estranged girlfriend, came in, and shot her in cold blood right there. We don't know what's going on, church. I'm freaking out. I'm like, what was that? And so I, I'm just kind of like that. So uh, I'm talking to the, to, to the owner's daughter, and I kind of say, stay, stay in here, stay in here, get under the desk. I don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden, this person's walking to me, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm like, I don't know who this is. And it just freaked me out, right? And, and make a long story short, there were, there were three deaths that day, two right in the front of our building. And, 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 and we witnessed them. And I'm seeing it, and I'm just like, and, and what do you do? I'm, I'm trying to be a minister, but, I mean, she's gone. And, and that night, it was a blank stare. It was hard. It was hard. It was hard. How, how do you handle that? How do you process this? There's no manual to process this. And I remember just going, wow, and, 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 our company, uh, company I worked for was great. They set up, they set up therapists and everything. But you know what I did, guys? I remembered what Paul said in Romans. He said, he said, listen, do not conform yourself to this world, but be transferred how? By the renewing of your mind. So I went home, guys, and, and I just listened to worship music and I just prayed and I just got in God's word and that's all I did. And God was my strength through that very difficult time. Very difficult time. It was, I mean, that's exactly what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, listen, you don't understand. He said, listen, he's going to give you the strength in life to handle those difficult times. He's going to give you the strength in life and, and recognize when things are good. And you'll say, praise God. And you'll be able to say, praise God on the mountaintops. And you'll be able to say, praise God in the valleys. That's the strength you want. That's what this, this is all about. Guys, think of some of the statements that he uses in this passage. I've learned that in whatever situation I am, to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. And then after all he says that, what does he say? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul is acknowledging this. You ready? Here's our foundation. No matter what, no matter the circumstance of life, God can get him through it because he gives him the strength needed to get through it. That's what that verse is all about. Let me give you some application, guys. Life is all over the place, right? It's like, it's like the waves. It's all over. At times it's good. At other times it's not so good, Right? At times we have what we want and what we need and, and times with what it seems like we, what we want is taken from us and what we need is nowhere to be found. Life will bring us experiences that are both good and bad, easy and hard, fun and difficult, amazing and awful. The question is, you ready church? Whose strength are you relying on in the midst of all of them? Whose strength? Are you, are you relying on your own abilities and your own strength? Or are you relying on God's strength? Are you relying on God's strength? 
Let's, let's close it like this, guys. The writer of Hebrews writes this, and here's what I want to leave you with, okay? Here's your foundation. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, the writer says this, let your conduct be without covetousness. The word conduct there is behavior or how you live, everyday life. He says the way you live every single day, the way you wake up, the way you go to work, the way you come home, the way you deal with your family, let your, covetous, let your conduct be without covetousness. Don't look at your neighbors and go, man, I wish I had what they had. But be content with such things as you have. Why? For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what men, what could men do to me? What should we be saying, church? I'm so content. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Lean into the Lord. The Lord is my helper. The message reads like this. Guys, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be content with what you have. Be content with the life you have. Be content with the blessings God has given you. Be content. Let us never take life for granted. There's going to be waves. Amen? There's going to be waves. There's going to be waves. Life is full of waves. Our goal is to just to make sure that our feet are where? On the solid rock of Jesus Christ. A solid rock. Pastor, what if life is really hard? And what if I'm suffering? And what if I'm hurting? And what if I stay focused and press into the strength? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. You guys know this. He's, he, he said, and he said to me, what? My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. For my strength, the Lord says, is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Guys, he's not asking us to be strong. He's asking us to lean into his strength. That's the foundation. So next time you hear Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me, you guys know it's all about being content in what? In your walks with God. You realize that Paul was writing this letter from jail and he had already established a good, solid relationship with Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm saying to you. You might be here today going, man, that's hard because I don't know if I could handle life. I don't know if I could handle life. There's some things like, like in today's Bible reading, we learned that Jacob would actually die of a broken heart if Benjamin didn't come back. And I was thinking, that's true, right? We can love somebody so much that if something happened to them, we would literally die of a broken heart. That's true. I was like, that's true. I get it. I get it. But I also know that Paul wrote this, he's in prison, he had walked with Jesus, his foundation was so secure that he could say these things. So here's what I say to you. Maybe you're here today and you go, Ben, I can't handle life. It's hard. The little waves are knocking me down. Listen, listen, you're not where you were. You may not be, you're not, you may not be tackling the big waves just yet, but you're moving forward. Remember, I kept walking a little bit closer in the ocean and that's when the waves would come. 
And that's what Paul is trying to teach us, guys. Your foundation has to be where? In Jesus. In Jesus. In Jesus. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you for your foundation, Lord. Thank you for the beautiful illustrations you give us, God. Whatever life throws at us, Lord, we want to be able to draw upon your strength. Father, give us your strength to handle an overdue bill or to deal with a prodigal son or daughter or the strength, God, to fight cancer. Give us the strength to fight for our marriages. Restore relationships, God. Because honestly, I can do life as long as you strengthen me. Oh, Lord. I can do this life. I can wake up tomorrow because I know you're the one who gives me strength to face each day. And that's our prayer. That's my prayer for this church. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.